0: You're tuned in.
1: Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. We're going to talk about Georgia prospects today as we continue our preview of the upcoming NFL draft. So stay tuned for that. And the Giants also added a new free agents. Free yes. agent season is not over just yet, Paul. They added another defensive back, the fifth defensive back to be added this offseason. And William Gay, who's been with the Steelers, for pretty much the majority of his career. Spent one year with the Arizona Cardinals, and this is somebody that could provide versatility in terms of the slot as well as the outside.
2: 33 years old, spent 11 years in the league, mostly with Pittsburgh, one year with the Cardinals. Uh, has played 176 consecutive games without missing yeah. an NFL game, which is very important. Uh, so great experience, veteran, leadership, good locker room guy. Experience with Shay Townsend, who is now the Giants secondary coach, in Pittsburgh and also in Arizona, the one year he was with the Cardinals as well. So, a well known guy to the coaching staff who is durable, who is good in, in the locker room. Uh, he is primarily now, at this stage of his career, a nickelback. Okay? Used to play the boundary in, in Pittsburgh for yeah. a number of years when he was a starter in the middle of his career. At this stage of his career, he's now a sub package guy. And the Giants, of course, needed the sub-package guy because Dominic Rodgers-Cromartie is uh, no longer with the team. Uh, He elected to become a free agent. So um, that's what the Giants did. That's why they did it. And as long as he's able to stay on the field and stay healthy,
1: uh, you, you can't argue with the acquisition. Which clearly he has, based on the numbers you threw out, has yet to miss a game during the course of his NFL career. So I say, think that says a lot about his durability. Townsend, who you mentioned, is the assistant DB's coach right now right. for the Giants. They played together in Pittsburgh. He also was, by the way, teammates with B.W. Webb, who's another yes. defensive back they brought in. They spent one year together in Pittsburgh in 2014. So we'll get into William Gay a little bit more later on on the program. But right now we want to turn our attention back to the NFL draft. And as we mentioned, today we're going to be pre- Reviewing the Georgia Bulldogs prospects that will be selected later this month. And we're now joined by Seth Emerson for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He covers the Georgia Bulldogs. Seth, you got Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino with you here on Giants.com. Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate the time. How's everything?
3: I'm doing great. Hope you guys are too. Thank
2: you, Seth. Appreciate
1: it. Absolutely. Well, a lot of prospects coming out of Georgia. Let's start with arguably the best one, and that is Roquan Smith at the linebacker position. A very versatile athlete. Where do you see him transferring his skill set best over to the National Football League in terms of a 3-4 versus a 4-3? Ooh,
3: good question. Um, He's the kind of talent that you would expect can fit in either way. I I know he excelled in a 3-4 at Georgia. If he was the lone inside linebacker in a four-three, then you know I I think he could probably—I mean—he covered a lot of ground, period, uh, for Georgia. So you'd think that he could handle that transition fine if he was the only inside linebacker. He he was just one of those guys that you know he he just made so many plays for Georgia, and there was a lot of talent around him. So I almost you know hate putting it like this uh, because it's not like anybody on Georgia's defense played badly,
4: so many <laughs> plays
3: that, that Roquan Smith, like, covered up just by own, his own abilities. Like, you know, maybe something that would have been a five- or six-yard gain, he turned into a zero or a loss right. because of his ability to go make the play. Um, stuff like that. He, just, he was just so good, sideline to sideline. He's got speed. He's got intelligence, just kind of knows where the ball is going. Uh, you know, he, he's just got the whole package.
2: You know, and it's funny we talk about where would he wind up. I I actually think he could be an outside linebacker in a 3-4. I think he's got that much range, that much athleticism, that much ability, and might even be more dangerous on the edge than he he was inside with Georgia. Where do you think he's going to need to polish up his game? Because as they say, none of these guys are ready-made coming into the nfl there must be a flaw or two somewhere although a lot of people have tried to use a microscope to find it
3: yeah um i mean he's small enough that even when he got here i had someone suggest he would end up at safety in georgia Hmm. which was partly a reflection of his size but also partly a reflection of just his speed um and i I guess there's a possibility of using him an outside linebacker i mean maybe Someone in the NFL wants to do that. I would personally consider that a little bit of waste if you're limiting him to one side of the field. Okay. Just because, like I said, his sideline to sideline is so good that I I would like the idea of having him there at inside linebacker ready to make a play on either sideline.
1: In terms of his progression as a player, Seth, I mean, 2016, solid season, but it seemed like he made huge strides in 2017, which was really his coming out party. What do you attribute as to why his production and why he really seemed to jump off the page this past season?
3: Well, if you go back, number one, he was a nationally recruited, he was a main recruit guy. He was not a five-star, but he was a top-50 recruit who originally committed to UCLA. And then, in something that was very fortuitous for Georgia, uh, his coach who recruited him, the assistant coach at UCLA, took a job with the Atlanta Falcons. and It was happening like the day of signing day, one of those deals where they were trying to sneak one in. Um, and they found out about it. He eventually reneges on that, ends up at Georgia. He Played off the bench as a freshman his sophomore year. He got the starting job, and he had a pretty good year. But then the buzz was going into his junior year, oh, this guy's good. He's just primed to have a huge year, and he, and he did. So, basically, that's my long-winded way of saying this is a guy that everyone always knew had talent. Um, it wasn't a case of the light going on or whatever. I think this was just guys experienced ahead of him as a freshman. He gets the starting job as a sophomore, gets his feet wet, and his junior year takes off. It was just kind of a simple progression.
2: How high do you suspect that he's going to go? Have you guys heard many rumblings about uh, what NFL teams are looking for in terms of uh, the, the, the region of the draft? Is he going to be a top ten guy? Is he going to be a top six guy? Uh, more middle of the first round?
3: Any of the above, really. I mean, what's interesting is he took his decision, like, up to the deadline. Um, Not, like, within hours of the deadline, but I guess it was a Monday uh, to declare. And it didn't come out until about 11-ish that day, uh, like three or four hours before the deadline. So he was a guy that was really thinking about staying for a while. But I think ultimately, because he was projected to go so high, he had to go. He's a guy who, if he had been projected as a second rounder or possibly a first rounder, but not for certain, he would have stayed at Georgia. He just kind of, he was one of these guys that liked being in school. He didn't mind going to class. He liked being at Georgia. He liked his coaches. Um, he had assurances he was going to go high. Uh, the question then was just how high. And he, he, he's going to be one of those guys where whether he rises or falls is only going to depend on whether teams are looking for someone in his position. Um, He's going to be need-based. He's not a guy that there's going to be any rumors about him off the field, you know, any questions about his character or anything. You know, there's no questions about his character.
2: Or ability Um, to pick up the playbook. That's not an issue either?
3: Nope. nope. I mean, this is a guy that Kirby Smart and Georgia coaches kind of put out front as one of their faces of the program and leaders of the defense and – teach the young guys the playbook all that kind of stuff that they they've done that uh, the whole time he was here
1: Talking with Seth Emerson, who covers the Georgia Bulldogs for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Another notable defensive player, in addition to Roquan Smith, is Lorenzo Carter, who's more of an edge rusher. I know it seems from what I've read and from what I've seen on film, Seth, that he played a lot off the line of scrimmage in their defense. Is that his best suitable position as he tries to make the transition to the NFL? Or do you think his strength is a guy that could actually play closer to the line of scrimmage?
3: He's better just kind of being versatile. He's he's a long, lengthy guy along the lines of Leonard Floyd, um, who he played behind uh, his first two years here. Um, Lorenzo Carter was a five-star recruit. You know, He was, he was a major recruit for Georgia. Um, he never put up the, the stats and the sack numbers that were expected yeah. of him, but he's a guy that People would say that he made a lot of those plays that resulted in other guys getting plays. Um, he's he's fast. He's instinctive. He's a guy that if you put him with his hand on the ground and and you know line him up on the edge, uh, he's going to be strong enough to give an offensive tackle a little bit of problem. You know, using that, his athleticism, but it's not a guarantee. But if you stand him up, um, if you know. He probably has a better chance to just run by that guy. Um, he's a guy that they put in some pass coverage. They, they played him at the nickelback a little bit. Uh, so he's a guy that you kind of want to just have him standing up, I think, uh, I would say most of the time. I and mean, he did put his hand on the ground sometimes. Um, but when they put an outside linebacker on the ground, it tended to be that and tell me the other outside linebacker did it more.
2: See, now, the thing for me, Lance, is that Carter does not make as many explosive plays as Smith does. And I think that's why, you know, he's yeah. going to go later on. And I think, Seth, you'd probably agree with that. He's stronger, though. He's got a bigger frame, longer frame, does a better job with his power to shed blockers and to, to, to fight to get to the ball. So while he may not make the Sports Center highlights every night, this is a workmanlike guy who's really going to add a lot to a defense.
3: Yeah, he's a guy that, like I said, would make those plays that wouldn't show up in the box score. But, uh, you know, as an example, when Georgia played running quarterbacks, dual threat quarterbacks, yeah. he was so good at contain mm-hmm. on the outside that mm-hmm. those guys never could do anything. One of the reasons that, and he did make some, some spectacular plays against Notre Dame and against uh, Auburn in the SEC championship, but the more important things he did was just have contain on the outside. So especially Notre Dame as Brandon Wimbush, who we were kind of thinking if Notre Dame's gonna win that game it's by getting this dual threat quarterback on the outside and throw the ball and um, you know, set up the path via his run or, or run and break out. He could never do that because Lorenzo Carter had great contain on his side and Davin only had great contain on the other side.
2: Do you hear that that he could possibly be uh, slipping somewhere in the top of the second round to where I I certainly think the Giants could have use for a guy like that at the top of the second round, should he be available? I hear some debate as to whether or not he's going to sneak into the first round.
3: You know, I don't... Spring practice down here keeps us busy enough that I'm not following exactly like the, the trend line okay. for where they might go in the draft. Um, I just... I do you know know that Carter is a kind of guy that whether it was the combine or UGA's pro day or individual workouts was always going to be a guy that was going to impress because of his measurable right because of you know being 6 foot 5 and athletic and chiseled um, interviews well you know this is a smart kid who like grew up playing the cello you know <laughs> that kind of thing so he it, it, the the main question with him and like I said he was a five star prospect coming out of college the main question with him is going to be like, well, why didn't you do more in college? Why didn't you have more sacks? Why didn't you have more tackles for right. loss? Production-based numbers. And the right. counter to that, yeah, the counter to that is going to be that he did stuff that didn't show up in the box score. But then there will still be the fact that, well, you know, you still didn't rack up the sacks and, and the pressures and and the TFLs. Which will, if, if he doesn't go in the first round, which I would probably on he doesn't go in the first round high second round wouldn't be my bet right. um it, it's going to be that well why didn't he put up more stats in college
2: well i think he's one of those guys where the projection is going to be more important than the production because as you say the stat line doesn't blow you away but if you understand the game and you see what he can do and you know what he can do to help your team if you're an nfl scout that's where his value is going to really be found
3: I think so, and I I, look, I covered Justin Houston when he was an outside linebacker mm-hmm. here yep. um, in the, the one year he played here when Georgia had switched to the three-four, and he did lead the SEC in sacks. Um, he just, you know, the question was, could he do the other stuff? Uh, and then he goes to the SEC or he goes to the NFL and blows up, <laughs> in terms of sacks and everything. And I, I could see Carter easily being somebody who his ability to bring down the quarterback comes at more in the NFL when he does in college because maybe he plays in some more specialized situations than he did here.
1: Right. Well, somebody that actually had some decent sack production, despite his position, I think his defensive tackle, Trenton Thompson, Seth, and you know, I was looking at his numbers and looking what he did specifically in 2016. I think the biggest question with him is his health because of a number of injuries that he's dealt with over the course of his career. Yeah. Where is he health-wise? And, and also had some run-ins in terms of off-the-field issues. How much is that a concern?
3: He, his off the field issue was not like character arrests,
1: you know, anything
3: like that. He had a medical issue that he ran into, um, not this spring obviously, but this this time last year. Basically, he missed Georgia spring practice. He was also dealing with shoulder surgery at that point. Um, he missed a couple games with a knee sprain that happened in a game uh, as a junior. He, he was a guy. Again, going back to I hate to bring up recruiting because I know that your New York area people kind of probably roll your eyes at college football recruiting, but I just bring it up. It's
2: okay. No, no, no worries. worries.
4: These,
3: these are, these are, I, I bring it up in, in terms of context and these guys' abilities. And Trenton Thompson coming out of Albany, Georgia, that is, not Albany, New York. Right. I've been to both places. I got um, you. Coming out of Albany, Georgia in 2015 was rated the number one prospect in the entire country. Um, not just defensive tackle, but the entire country. Um, and his freshman year was kind of quiet. His sophomore year was kind of off and on, but he finished the Liberty Bowl. Uh, yeah, the Liberty Bowl, I know, but still, with three sacks and just had a huge game. And it was expected to be this lifting off point that, you know, Trent Thompson's going to finally have this huge year that everyone expects of him. And then he ran into that problem last spring. He had the shoulder problems. He just, you know, he, he kind of was in and out of the starting lineup, but he was always part of that rotation. Um, So he didn't put up huge numbers, but people will tell you that, you know, when he was out there, he he was someone you had to deal with. And he made one play, I forget whether it was in the SEC championship game or the national championship, because they were both in Atlanta, the same stadium. But I remember he made one play near the sideline, like catching up. a—I think it was a running back from behind. And you're saying, all right, so that's a 300 pound defensive tackle. that just (laughs) caught up with that guy. So he's got that ability. Um, You know, the, he is going to have to figure out a way to stay on the field at the NFL level uh, in order to, you know, become a, a starter, um, even all pro type of guy. And, and that's going to be the main question with him, which is why I would expect he would probably, you know, be the latter part of the second day, if he if not like a third day guy.
2: Lance, we uh, started on defense because of Roquan Smith, but let's not forget the elephant in the room yes. is really on offense. Those two terrific running backs that uh, Georgia had this past year who were both going to be in the NFL, both are going to be very well thought of, perhaps uh, second round, maybe even third. I don't know if uh, maybe, maybe Chubb drops that far. I don't know. Seth, uh, tell me what you see from these two guys from being able to watch them game in and game out. We see highlights, and they certainly look terrific, but give me some idiosyncrasies as to what makes those two guys so special.
3: Well, uh, again, like the other three guys you mentioned on defense, these guys were highly recruited. Um, George has been tailback you. When they got here, they were freshmen when Todd Gurley was a junior. Um, Chubb was always a little bit ahead of Sony. Whenever Chubb, whenever both were healthy, Chubb was the starter, but Sony played a lot. Having said that, it's entirely predictable. A lot of us thought that when it got to the draft, that Sony would end up going ahead of Chubb because I think Sony's abilities translate a little bit more to the NFL um, in terms of pass catching and, and different mm-hmm. kind of stuff he can do. Like, you know, it is a guy that even as a freshman they were lining up at receiver some. Um, he's he got that, he, he's, he's the guy uh chubb is more of the thunder guy and the and the you know the, the volume guy i mean this is a guy and nick chubb who the longer the game goes and the more carries he gets the better he seems to get he seemed to get so many big runs near the end of games for georgia to put a put a punctuation point on the game you know as the, as the rest of the defense is is wearing down nick chubb is still going strong and bam he just gets through there um Michelle can hit you with the speed, and you know, kind of hit you going outside. Not that Chubb can't do that either. Um, and they're both, you know, good character guys, uh, leaders. So, you know, with Sony, that's a guy I could see slipping into the first round if someone's like, yeah, I, I like that. You know, that all-around ability there. Um, with Chubb, you uh, know, I'm curious to see whether he's going to be anybody's lead back as a rookie. You know, obviously, depending a lot on where he's picked. And I'm, I'm really curious to see whether either one ends up a, a starter as a rookie or, or whatever. You know, Sony seems like somebody who could be that, you know, number two tailback but used in a lot of situations. Chubb is, you know, he's, he's mainly a running back. That's what he is, but he's a pretty good one. Um, I'm just curious how much his, you know, his abilities are going to translate to the NFL considering, you know, will, it, will a team give him 25 to 30 carries a game considering how much more pass-happy the NFL is than the college game.
2: The highlight packages don't give you a sense of one of the most important things that a running back has to do in the NFL, and that is pass protection. How much did either one of them have to do in pass protection, and how good are they at doing it?
3: Well, Michelle was their better uh, pass protector. Um, uh, Chubb, pretty good, too. I remember Chubb picking up a a few good blitzes, but Sony was a better pass protector. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I think they're best protecting tailback. He was the guy that – that was another reason that he would be out there on third down and be available for those passing downs more was that, you know, if they didn't send him out for a screen or or whatever, he was the guy that they wanted in the backfield to pass protect on the second and third passing downs.
1: Nick Chubb had that serious left knee injury in 2015, Seth, and then I think it's a remarkable story how he fought his way back and has been productive over the last two seasons. But you know, all I hear about is, well, the Nick Chubb that you guys saw before the knee injury is different in terms of the explosiveness than the Nick Chubb after the injury. How fair is that narrative in terms of him getting back or not getting back to the level that you saw out of him before the injury?
3: I think he was as good last year as a senior as he was pre-injury. Um, there may have still been an individual play or two where you're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, maybe he didn't take the outside. Maybe he didn't jump that guy like he could have. But was that the knee injury or was that just that play, you know? And it, it, because he had the knee injury in his past, it's easy to, to, to ascribe it to that. Um, he, he, as a junior, uh, he, he – even he admits he didn't have quite as of his quickness and his, you know, cutting and darting in and out. But he was he was pretty good. He was like seventy five, eighty percent probably uh, of pre injury. Um, last year, you know, I, I'd say conservatively like ninety to ninety five percent of what he was. Um, you know it, it that may be one of those things that years from now he kind of when his career is over, he admits like, yeah, I was never quite as good as I was before <laughs> the injury, but. But right now, I don't think he'd ever say that. And there's, there's a lot of plays last year to evidence that, that he was back to his old self.
2: Great stuff. Uh, one more guy we've got to ask you about before we, uh, we let you free here, and that is uh, Isaiah Wynn, who, uh, you know, I know the injury situation is going to be something that people are going to talk about, but he's a legit, legit second-rounder in my mind, and, and I think a lot of pro teams will be happy to get him too.
3: He was, he was an undersized guy, even
2: here, as a tackle. As a guard, he was like,
3: all right, that's ideal size. But Kirby Smart said the other day, and this is him coming from Alabama where they were recruiting big five-star offensive linemen all the time. Kirby Smart said that when he got here two years ago, he wasn't too excited when he saw Isaiah Wynn <laughs> size, But then he started playing him, and it was like, oh, he's really good. The, the, the best stat about Isaiah Wynn is that man, he was a three-year starter Uh, freshman year kind of as a backup, then moved into the starting lineup at guard his sophomore and junior year, but played some tackle at the end of both years and then played tackle all of the senior year with Isaiah Wynn as the left tackle. Georgia was 19 and two. And I don't think that's like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think they were just good with him there. Um, Having said that, does that mean that you put him at a left tackle in the NFL you know, probably not. I mean, it probably translates size-wise to guard, but I think it does speak well for his ability to play guard at the, at the pro level. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he's picked as a first-rounder.
1: Seth, with respect to his game, what jumps out to you more? Is it the pass protection or the run blocking?
3: Uh, gee, I mean, he was pretty good at I, – I will say that – you know, when I diagrammed every game and, and rewatched every game over the last few years, especially last year, and when there was a sack and I was casting blame, I very rarely would say Isaiah went. I can't even remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So I think run blocking sometimes you just kind of take for granted, especially since Chubb and Michelle were there. But you know, they they had some they had some leaks on pass protection last year. But it was hardly ever him.
1: Well, Seth, before we let you go, one follow-up to your point, because you mentioned, though, you take things for granted with Chubb and Michelle in the backfield. How much is their production, because of their individual talents in your mind, that they can create something out of nothing versus the production of what Georgia did on the offensive line?
3: Uh, I think it's so much them. I go back to... Um, Les Sneed, the Rams general manager, saying before, you know, when they were doing their research and before picking Todd Gurley, one of the things they mentioned was that he wasn't running behind a lot of really talented guys when he was there. And, and Georgia's offensive line didn't really turn it around until this past year um, with win at left tackle. Uh, they, you know, they've got some undersized guys at, on, on the interior line, at least at left guard and, left and center. Uh, the right tackle is good. He's moving to left tackle this year. Um, but the, I think Georgia's going get, to get it rolling, the offensive line, because they're really recruiting well now. But that line wasn't the reason that Chubb and Michelle were, were doing anything. Um, in fact, as juniors, that line was, was you know, pretty porous. They struggled. And I think part of the reason that they did not go pro after their junior years was they didn't have the strong junior years that, that anyone expected, partly because the holes weren't there. Uh, the holes were there enough as seniors, and and that's when they really took advantage.
2: I just want to make sure before we let Seth go. Uh, you know, Wynn did have the the sprained knee, and then he had the torn labrum, which I guess we just learned a couple of weeks ago that he that he played a part of the season or half the season with it. You you don't think that's going to be an issue for him?
3: He he said not. He played through it. Um, they they kept it quiet. I guess he heard in the Kentucky game. I think it was the second-to-last game of the year from a regular season. So he he played through it and played well, and I I finally started to hear scuttlebutt about it before the national championship game. Um, But it wasn't one of those things that was noticeable. We weren't sitting there going, is anything wrong with Isaiah Wynn? All
1: right. Seth Emerson covers the Georgia Bulldogs for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Seth, really appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you,
2: Seth. No problem.
1: All right, there you go. Seth Emerson laying out the... Prospects for the Georgia Bulldogs, two running backs of note, the offensive linemen, and then a few versatile guys on defense.
2: That's six guys who are going to go, you might say, third round or higher. Maybe maybe one of them, maybe Thompson's fourth, maybe. But Possibly. I mean, we're talking about legitimate half a dozen NFL make-it players coming out of that program, and that's what happens when you go to the National Championship game. Yeah, <laughs> tends to bring up the stock of various guys on the roster.
1: One of the things that he didn't mention, we didn't have time because obviously we wanted to uh, talk about so many different prospects, but I've heard a lot of comparisons, Paul, of Sony Michelle to Alvin Kamara, who went to the yeah. Saints last year. A lot of similarities in terms of their game, their usage, their upside. You know, when
2: He he was very positive in terms of his review on Michelle's pass pro. Yes. And that, to me, is a really big deal. And, and he even said he might sneak into the first round. You know, I think coming into this whole thing, a lot of us thought that he would be a bona fide second-round pick. And that, you know, John himself, Schmelk, one of our guys here on the show, has been saying all along, well, don't worry about passing on Barkley if you're the Giants. You know, maybe you're better off taking Chubb or Nelson because you're going to be able to get somebody like Michelle later on in the second round. Because we all know there's a crop of really good second and third round running backs in this draft. Well, what we're hearing now about Michelle, especially when you hear about not only we know about his explosiveness, we know about his hands, but now when we hear that he's the best pass protector that Georgia had in the backfield, you know, I'll be honest with you. Mike, the cutups that I looked at, I didn't see pass pro because it's all about him getting the ball. Yeah, the
1: ball because he's a receiver too. They you know, you don't get that back. in the cutups.
2: So now, when you add that to the mix, you say to yourself, you know what? He could be a late first-round pick. John better not be counting on him to be available in round
1: two. Well, I think somebody's going to be around in round two when the Giants pick Probably one not of him, these though. running backs. It may not be and he's him. He's the
2: most exciting, most explosive of that next group
1: after Barkley. I don't think there's any question about that. Well, you certainly you don't pick it up when you watch some film of him because all of the highlights are usually him getting the football right. and doing something. But everything I have read, Paul— about Sony Michel, one of the first things they point out, excellent in terms of pass protection. And that's not something that you read about as the first thing when you list the criteria for a running back. He gets rave reviews in that department. And that's something rare that I have not seen in recent drafts. I, I – <sighs> I
2: don't. When I read stuff, I don't necessarily know how how that's been interpreted or how many people that's gone through. So I like to see things well, myself. Well, a combination of both, you know, absolutely. But you're, yeah, yeah don't we don't get to see yeah. that though in the highlight package. Yeah. I think I think Rashad Penny is the other guy who is in that second cluster of game breaking explosive backs. But we heard firsthand from San Diego State's uh, radio analyst uh, Ormberger. Rich Ornberger say pass protection is, is going to be a question because he hasn't hardly done it. Yeah, That's a big difference now between him and Michelle, despite the fact that Penny, I believe, led FCS in rushing.
1: I think you may be right in that department. FBS yeah. in rushing. Well, he certainly, and also played special teams too. Yeah. So there was a variety of different things that he was asked to do that sometimes of the other running backs were not asked to do. Yes. Which is also why maybe they don't have him in on third down all the time because they don't want him to play you know, 50-some-odd snaps there every single game. There will be some good backs in this draft, though. There's no question. Well, there's depth, and we've been talking about that. It's not just the Saquon Barkley show. He's the prized possession. But if you don't get Saquon Barkley, to say that there's no opportunity to get a big playmaker in the backfield I think is misleading. Because I do. There's clearly a lot of other options there. And I do think that, that Chubb
2: becoming, as we've all known going in, and, and he didn't tell us anything that we didn't know in terms of a uh, set's ability to, uh, to express what Chubb will do when you have a lead. He's a perfect four minute offense kind of back. And the Giants haven't had one of those Eat in a while. Clock. Yeah. You know? So, uh, again, it. it, it maybe where he goes is and you hate to say this because so many people want to go best player available they want to look at the value board but when you are taking a look at these two guys they're very different it is a thunder and lightning combination back there and it kind of does depend more about what you need and what your scheme is going to be and what what you have a, a desire to pick up because you know if you need the the explosive guy or the, the the guy coming out of the backfield, certainly you want Michelle. But if you need the between the tackles, pounded, kill the clock guy, you're going to want Chubb. And and what do you have on your current roster? Well, guess what? The Giants don't have a power back on their roster. So as much as Michelle, I think by everybody's account, grades
1: higher than Chubb,
2: Chubb may be the
1: better fit for the Giants depending on the role that they envision for somebody like him compared to what they already have on the roster. Well, think about Goldman and Perkins. Well, I mean, I still think, Goleman totally different guys is a potential guy that can be your starting running back. I don't think that's a stretch. Same thing that I believe Perkins is. Unfortunately, Perkins got hurt last but season. Neither one of so those no guys are
2: power backs like Joe. Well, they're has. not
1: power backs in terms of like Garrett Blunt, that he's going to run over two or three defenders. I'll you give know. you that. That doesn't mean though that he can't be a starting running back. No, I, I didn't guess not my that. point. I didn't yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah. you're just but talking about a guy who needs to pick up two yards on the Chuck goal line. Might fit the puzzle. That somebody like him, you know, and he I might get fit that.
2: the puzzle better than than a Michelle. But, again, Michelle is a really terrific all-around prospect, and you couldn't cry if the Giants wound up with him yeah, at be some great point value the, in, you know later
1: on if they don't get Barkley. The interesting thing is they're both 5'11". They're both the same exact yeah, size, and there's only an eight-pound differential in terms between of the, of the frames, two of them. So in terms of even the though they are asked to do different things, to your point, Paul, and I get that, from a physicality standpoint, they're pretty much mirror images of one another. It's not as if one guy's built like a rock and another guy is this flimsy guy that you think is just going to catch passes out of the backfield. Their measurements are identical. Yeah. So it just goes to show you, even though measurements are the same, it depends on role and what teams ask you to do. How do you use the frame? Usage. That's a big part deal. of the conversation. Absolutely. All right. right. So open up the phone lines, 201 939 hashtag Giants Chat. Phil is in North Carolina. He gets us going. What's happening, Phil?
5: Yes. I want to talk about draft strategy and, and procedure. Uh, Mike uh, Garofalo the other day said something I thought very insightful that we're using with the new sheriff in town. We're using a different scheme in terms of uh, who we're bringing in to evaluate on our when we get a chance to bring them in and look at them. Whereas now we're we're um, primarily focused on the higher level, mid level guys. Guys are going to be drafted. In the past, we skipped over that and focused almost uh, a good percentage on uh, on the uh, guys who weren't going to be drafted. And it's I thought that was insightful because you know what has our, been our bugaboo is that uh, you know we're maybe okay in the first round, but or from the second through the sixth rounds, we were horrible for uh Ten years, and uh, and but we did once in a while hit on the free agents. So uh, I think it's very insightful. and And when I heard the Ohio State guy uh, talk about the other day that uh, we overdrafted Apple, uh, it brought back a lot of bad memories. So well, actually, <laughs> anyway, he I didn't.
2: Like he to... did. Uh, uh, well, we got to correct you on a couple things. First of all, he did not say we overdrafted Apple or the Giants did. He actually said that Apple had an outstanding skill set. And he understood why he went there. So I would I would correct you on that comment no, no, first.
5: Paul, no, Paul, I beg to differ. The guy absolutely said from Ohio State that he was overdrafted at the 11th spot.
2: I think a yeah, lot of people, I,
5: I think say, what he said. He did also say that uh, he was good, but he definitely
2: said he was overdrafted. I think what he said spot. is a lot of people thought he was overdrafted. I certainly didn't think that. And I think people who understood Eli Apple better in terms of what he had did not think he was overdrafted at all. But yeah, having said that,
5: disagree uh, on that. But anyway, uh, uh, having said extra.
2: that, the other thing you must keep in mind is that the Giants haven't picked number two in a long time. Yeah. And when you're in the second slot at the basically at the start of every round, by necessity, you now have to bring in the bigger name prospects into these particular workouts because you know that you're going to have access to more of these guys at the top of every round. So, I, uh, you know, I like Mike. I just don't know that there's uh, any magical insight in, yeah. wh- in what he's talking about because you need to bring in those bigger names when you have access to them. If you're picking 10, 15, 12, whatever it is further down in the draft, there's less of a need to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think strategy has changed at That's, all. Uh, I, don't, I, I think it's know, more of positioning in the draft. Yeah. I would agree with Paul. And to say that they never brought in any of the top prospects over the last few years is completely misleading, too because i mean there were no, years where they were I picking 10 13 uh, uh, uh,
5: you know lance i think he said you know during they're focusing more on the draftable guys rather than the the free you know the guys that are going to be undrafted and uh, you know free agents essentially. Well, but but <laughs> they're,
2: bring, they're bringing in the list of guys who they're bringing in are much more higher profile guys and again the reason yeah. for that is because they're picking
1: number two but the the other thing that you got to <laughs> keep in mind Phil is remember there are Scouts that all year long are focused on certain prospects in certain parts of the country and if the Giants feel as if they've gathered enough information on a specific prospect they're Going to lean on that scout who probably has had much more access to that player during the course of the regular season than anybody in the building, and if they don't feel as if they need another meeting and they have everything in front of them, you know, sometimes you want to use your resources wisely too. Now, I'm not saying that was happening in previous years, but that can't be lost in translation, that you bring in a guy usually when you probably want to collect more information and there's more you really need to see so that you have the complete package on that player before you ultimately make the decision.
5: Okay, so can I ask you guys to do a little research for me? What do you need? Can you uh, can we over the last ten years when we missed out on a lot of guys like Marvin Austin and, and those guys? Double O, can you can you kind of compile a listing of all the guys that we actually took a look at? Uh, and drafted versus the guys that we, we didn't take a look at and drafted and see what our hit-and-miss ratio is. Well, but when you say that.
1: when you say take a look at, are you specifically saying that the guys were brought physically into the building for yes. a workout? Because, I mean, yes. technically, everybody you take a look at, you may just not have them individually in for an individual workout. So, you know, that that's what I'm saying. I mean, they, they still guys they drafted, they still were ha- having an opportunity to go to their games and interacting with them a little. They just didn't necessarily bring in everybody yeah. here in the
2: building. And, and, and to be honest with you, the official list of all the visits that teams take uh, is kept in the league office. That is not something that people have access to. Now, what happens is when you see in the papers and you hear on Twitter and everything else that so-and-so's coming in, that's because agents have leaked that. The fact of the matter is, when each of these teams get their 30 official visits with prospects, the only people who have that actual list is the team itself, which they keep private and the nfl offices so i would not even think about giving you uh uh you know the stats on that because that anything that we would even have heard about would have been hearsay
1: well and phil listen appreciate the phone call i, I think in order to also have a fair conversation on that subject that the last caller brought up you would also need to see well what about in comparison? other teams when they draft right. or don't draft players that they had physically in their building is the success rate any different from other teams
2: what I will say to Phil is that it is a fact that over the course of the last decade or so many and I'm not I don't I don't know specific numbers and again because it's unconfirmed in a lot of ways who was here and who was not here but what I do know I can I can say with pretty much certainty that plenty of of the Giants' first and second round picks over the last decade to 15 years did not get individual visits. Now, in some of those years, they were drafting quite a bit down further, Yeah, especially during the Coughlin era when they made the playoffs on half of those seasons and they were drafting in the bottom third or even lower in the draft. I mean, you know, in some cases maybe they just felt there was lesser need because the truth of the matter is – to predict who you're going to be able to pick up at, let's say, the 20th spot. I mean, teams teams don't do that. That's a waste of time. Because to try to think of who you're going to grab, no. But at number two, you pretty much know.
1: You have access you're to a lot of different options. <laughs> okay. yes.
2: One guy's going to be gone off the board. You're going to pretty much know that you're going to have a, a, a free reign
1: of picks. The entire way. board is going exactly. to essentially be at your disposal when you pick second. It does so, make a difference. Yeah, the mindset does change. And here's another example. I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head. Landon Collins. I mean, that was somebody they acquired because Correct. they had moved up. But probably most people are thinking, Paul, if you go back to that draft, Landon Collins is going to be off the board by the time the first round ends. There were and there's many, no way that he's
2: going to be there in the second there round. There were many who thought he was going to be a late first-round pick. There were others who thought he'd be a mid-second-round pick. Then the Giants saw him sitting there, still there and made the trade up. to get to the top of the yeah. second round and grab him. I will say this. I have not talked to Dave Gettleman about this. We will have a pre-draft Dave Gettleman press conference where the media will have access to the middle of the month coming up in a couple of, in a couple of weeks, or a week or so, whatever it is. Uh, here's what I will say: What I do know is that the mo under Jerry Reese, the Giants did not do a mock draft. Some teams actually do. They will tell guys spend some time and try to compile information and try to do a mock draft and come up with, based on every piece of information that you guys have heard about, where we think each one of these guys are going. And they actually have a mock draft board in their room. Some teams do that. The Giants under Jerry Reese did not do a mock draft board. They simply graded the players how they graded them, clustered them together, and worked with it from there. As guys came off, guys came off. There was no mock draft that they were thinking and trying to figure out in each of the picks. Oh, I think that team's taking that guy, and I think that team's taking that guy. They didn't do that. So is Dave Gettleman going to? That may be a change that's going to happen. Maybe it's not. I don't know the answer to that. That would be a much more interesting question for me than who they brought in for visits, to be perfectly frank with you.
1: Yeah, I just feel, I mean, whether they do a mock draft or not, this is my personal opinion, Paul. At the end of the day, you need to evaluate the talent. Mm-hmm. And you got to go with what you think of the talent. Whether you think he's going to be on the board or not, to me, doesn't really help you in the long run. You like the player. You think he's good value. You take well, the The, the players, only thing it might do to help you out, is if you really believe that you've got some good
2: intel, and, of course, good intel is hard to find these days coming into the draft, but if you really believe you have some good intel, it might help you with your maneuverability if you're going to be looking to make and move. That's fair. That that could be a component to that equation, which which may be of some help. Of course, if your intel's bad, well, then maybe you're doing something well, you don't want to do. Here's where
1: I could see it being helpful. If the Giants in their mind want to trade down, then you want to start to think about, hey, a guy that we are very interested in, could we potentially still get him if we move out of the number two spot? Well, then you, I could see that conversation being helpful. There you go. A little bit. But you're number two. I don't really think you need to worry about a mock draft, not, number one. Not and a even, two. And even not when you're two. thinking about who's going to be around in the second round, I think it's very difficult to assess that. It because who knows what the hell is going to happen. It is. I,
2: I think it would most come into play if the Giants went to five with the Broncos. Correct. And yeah. then you have to say, okay, can they get – one of Barkley, Nelson, or Chubb. Uh, In all likelihood, you know at least one, probably two of those three are
1: going to be gone. Yeah. Or if you move down to 12 and you make a deal with the Bills. Now, what if all three are gone? Well, that's another way where mock draft And they probably will be. Yeah. You're not going to touch those three guys at 12. Let's head back to the phone lines. Bob is in North Carolina. Bob, what's happening?
6: Hey, good morning, gentlemen.
1: Good morning to you, Bob. What do you got for us? All
6: right, good morning. Listen, I have a very simple philosophy here. First round, You've got to go with Barkley. You have to go with Barkley, and I'll tell you why. Bill Parcells, when he was the head coach of the Giants, he had one simple philosophy. Regardless of need, you always go with the best talent. That's it. You always go with the best talent.
4: Well,
2: Tom Boister was the director of, uh, of the college draft in those days, and that was his philosophy, so be careful there. It wasn't Parcells who controlled the draft. Okay, I thought it was, it was Parcells really Boyster who worked with George Young on that.
6: Well, okay. So here's what I have to say. Nelson, of course, is a top prospect. Absolutely a tremendous left guard. Right. Now, here's the thing. Now, Paul, you said the Giants don't have a fullback. I have to disagree. I it, suppose Jonathan Stewart has a lot of gas left in his tank. Now, he was the all-time leading rusher at, at uh, North Carolina. Well,
2: I said power back. I didn't say fullback. I said power. Well, you would say he's a power back. I think. I think at this stage of his career, if 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 you said to me. Hey, do the Giants have a guaranteed guy who's going to milk a four-minute offense and 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 hold on to a four-point lead for a victory? I don't know right now My, with yeah, myself. Say, yeah, I, don't do yeah. I don't know that I've got
1: confidence he can do it.
2: I don't know that I don't know that I could say he did, he could do it. I don't I know.
1: think he could be a goal line well, I don't, I don't back though. Goal line back is question. different.
2: Yeah, I, I get that. It's well, he different. Runs
6: but over he can... seven thousand yards, didn't yeah. he, uh, in his career with uh, North Carolina?
2: He has done good things in his career, but again, at this point. You know, being one of the, what, three oldest backs in the National Football League? At this point, you have to wonder.
6: He's not that old, but uh, but now consider this ball. Look how rested he is. Uh, who'd they I, I have got you. You had McCaffrey, right, and, and of course. Uh,
1: well, yeah, D'Angelo Williams in Carolina. They were pretty not to much to mention Cam play. Newton,
6: he ran half the time, right? Cam He's a rested guy.
1: Uh, well, I, I don't know if I'd say he's rested. I mean, listen, the guy's <laughs> logged a lot of mileage on his legs. <laughs> well, me, I mean, to, to say that he's been sitting back on the couch for the last five years. Let's, a put, it bit, right? let's put it this well, th- 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 way. Let's, let's put it
6: this way. I want you guys to know what your opinion on this. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Okay, now. Uh, you know, you know. I say I oh, want Barkley. He like, like used to say, or he says, boy, yeah, he's the best available talent." And now, right? What do you think? Let's just say Barkley's not available. What do you think about Darius Geist as the first round pick
1: with the number two
2: overall pick?
6: Yeah, no, no. I, I think that's no. an
2: extreme stretch. No, he's another one of those guys yeah. on that next level of running backs after Barkley because there's a gap after Barkley. But then there's a bunch of guys clustered yeah. together who could either be late first round or second round, and there's even gonna be good talent in the third round at the running back spot. But I listen, here's what I will say.
6: You don't think guys would be a number two guy behind Barkley?
2: Well, but
1: he—he's uh, in that group. Yeah, you but don't that need group, that but, group has a gap. But the whole point is, Bob, from a value yeah. perspective, which was the whole point of your argument—that right. you got to take the best value. That's not the yeah. best value at the number two no, overall pick, not at all. So that defeats what your philosophy is. He could very well be number two behind Barkley, but you can wind up getting him in the second round. So why are you going to use yeah, the second I don't overall know pick? If he's
6: last that long. What about Chubb at defensive end?
1: Bradley Chubb—that—that that I think is more realistic at number sure. two than guys. Sure. I mean, that makes a lot more sense in terms of matching up value, yes. Mm, and and yeah. really, in
2: reference to your, to your uh, uh, thoughts about Stewart, look, I think enough about Barkley that in my mind – I, I, Barkley, if he's there at two, I think you take him regardless because I think he's that spectacular and that much of a difference maker. So right. the heck with going to get the power back, I would take Barkley. Okay. Oh, but absolutely. What I'm saying is absolutely,
6: he's I mean, he's a, he's a, a, a like a above and beyond the rest. He, he's right. a generational exactly. player. That guy, he's awesome. Now, exactly. I, I, I heard but, an but NFL. If, I read an NFL analyst online. You can take it for what it's worth. He compared Barkley to Edron James, and he compared Geist to Marshawn Lynch.
2: Well, you know, the comparisons are always great until the guy gets to the NFL, and then we find yeah. out what he really is. I <laughs> but, mean, I, but, but here's the point. Yeah, if, right. if, you, if you don't take Barkley, if he's not available or you don't take him, and you still think that the Giants need to fortify the backfield, the question becomes, do you go after a guy like a penny or a guy like Michelle later on in the draft, second or uh-huh. third round, or do you go for more of a power guy like Chubb? And you know, and I all well, the only point that I was making is that I do think that Chubb as being more of a power guy might be a better puzzle piece fit for this this Giants team. If if they don't get Barkley. That's the only point I was making. That's
6: the big if yeah. I, that's
2: that's all. I'm not saying that that, that Stewart is a non factor here, but for me, I think you have to be looking forward. If you're gonna draft a running back you're not just looking now, but you're looking forward. I mean, Stewart's already 31. Even if he's on this team and, and is, a, is a component for them this year, moving forward, how many more years are you going to get out of him? No, you,
6: I don't know. That's really. why you draft for
1: 2018. Look at that the guy, just right. from the guy
6: yeah. gay they just got from Pittsburgh. Okay, he's got, look, <laughs> look how he's been healthy his whole career, right? And how old is he now? He's,
2: he's 33. Yeah. He's been very fortunate.
6: Yeah, that's unusual. It really it is. It is.
2: It is. No it's question. Extremely
1: rare. I'd appreciate the follow Bob. Yeah. Thanks for weighing in. So all right, thanks a lot. You Thank got you. Nine three nine four five one three 939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. Let's go to James in Denver. James, what's happening?
4: Gentlemen, good mo- or good afternoon to you. Yes, this sir. is James calling from the Mahai City. How are you all doing today? How doing about really
1: well? that? What's happening? What
4: do you got for us? Um, everything anything. So um, I was into the conversation, and even before I woke up this morning, I was already thinking about uh, how you talked much about uh, the different positions and the importance, and then you hit the nail right in the head when you were talking about the running back class and where they're at. Um, I'm old school in my own way because when I was a kid growing up, I was watching <laughs> the days of uh, Carpenter, the Morris, and the great offensive line that was blocking and the thing that I love so much about. Was watching how the the team would just simply wear down that defense, and they'd yeah. use that running game, and we would just melt the clock, especially with that lead, like you talked about, and we would kill the game off. That's why someone, uh, to me, uh, there's really no choice in in this kind of regard, is to have uh, to draft uh, Quentin Nelson because you're not going to find uh, someone that kind of talent anywhere up above the board. He can start with any team, any time, obviously, and so. Um, Everything speaks to himself from uh, his uh, time at Notre Dame, and obviously in the Senior Bowl and uh, combines, he's proven himself. So, but that's just me, and I agree with you were saying in other previous uh, shows that um, you know whether he's a gold jacket or not, he's reliable. So you can't just have somebody else just walk right in to take in that position that he does, that he can do. Now, getting back to what you were talking about earlier about the running backs. I think that most of the running backs are going to move rather quickly. And as you know, in previous drafts, as soon as one particular player in a position gets taken, all of a sudden it's like a bunch of the other teams right after that would do an about phase and say, oh, I better draft that, um, that position player or whatever as well next because it might be the one that I want or something. It seems like it kind of runs that way at times. So, I, from talking to a couple people, friends, uh, fans of different clubs, when I'm thinking of, like, say, Detroit at 20, um, they're 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 like really high on guys, um, especially pittsburgh um, I got a lifelong friend who was a Steelers fan they said mm-hmm. they're just in love with him because um, especially the situation regarding uh, Le'Veon Bell and everything, um, who knows how that's going to play out. They need someone who's going to be able to step right in and do so. So I think some of those running backs are actually going to go in the latter part of the first round, uh, early part of the second round. So that's why one of the players that I was looking at was obviously Jones from from USC. I know you mentioned about some of the other running backs. I just want to get your opinion. Is there such a thing as being wrong or right if you're reaching or value, who would you feel would be a legitimate value? Uh, say, if we do not make any moves, uh, if we're stuck where we're at, and we, we go off on the picks and the rounds that we go to, especially the running back, would a Ron Jones be legitimate and for that value for that position? Or do you think the has anything wrong with the Giants say, you know, we really love this player more than anything else, and we're going to get him instead?
1: Well, First thing I want to say is, in terms of Pittsburgh, they drafted James Conner in the third round last year, so I don't really think that running back is the number one priority for them. That doesn't mean they're not going to draft a guy, but they already have a young guy in the event that Le'Veon Bell does hold out. Number two, I mean, in terms of Ronald Jones, I like Ronald Jones. I think he would be very good value if the Giants felt like they wanted to target him. Not necessarily in the first round, but if you wanted to go after him in the second or if he lasted the third round, I think that's certainly a legitimate choice. I think a lot of these guys are good value in the second round. I don't think it's a stretch, but the one thing I will say is if a couple of running backs start going, to your point, because you know teams are high on running backs and they, they're worried that they're not going to be on the board anymore, that's not a reason why you take a running back. You don't take a running back because of what other teams are doing. You take the running back because you think the value makes sense. The worst right. thing you could do in the National Football League is watch the trend play out in round mm-hmm. one or round two and say, oh, well, they're flying off the board like crazy, now we have to take one. That's, to me, reaching, and that's stretching. So if they're high on a guy, you should use the pick. If you're not, don't take them simply because other teams are going after. To that position Now, I want to explain
2: one thing to you because, you, you know, I'm a hog molly guy too, all right? I always believe you're building the trenches, and I'm, I'm very, very, very much an offensive line advocate. The reason that if I were to make the pick at number two that I would go with Barkley over Nelson is simple. I've said this for months. If the Giants had enhanced their offensive line and made Barkley's pick worthwhile, then you'd have to take him because he is such a spectacular talent, okay? If they had not enhanced their offensive line, then I probably would be telling you right now that I would want Quentin Nelson at number two. But I think the addition of Solder, uh, the addition of Omamahe, and I I really believe that Flowers is going to make the right tackle spot better than what Bobby Hart showed. They've already improved, in my mind, Three positions on the offensive line, and I think they're going to draft another offensive lineman, probably a guard, in the second mm. or third round.
4: Like so, Hernandez. Okay. exactly. I, uh, that's the, the impression. Exactly. Yeah, I'd love be...
2: Will Hernandez. I'd even Good take i I'd even take a, a price. I mean Pierce or yeah or O'Neal the uh, the Pitt. I mean um, Neil, yeah, there's, there's, there's some mixed mixed reactions Miller reaction. Miller from UCLA even, although I he's more the mixed reactions and okay. also he's
1: six nine and there's questions about will his height but, translate. But, to the but NFL. I do
2: think I do think that you know as I as I looked at at my chart on offensive linemen and I I went through this briefly the other day, I said to myself you know there's no question. I mean look at I'm looking at this and there are guys man. There are guys that they're going to be able to get in the second and third round who are going to compete for a starting job. So they might have four upgrades by the time they get to opening day along that offensive line. That says to me, and we talked about this too, they had to get at least three upgrades on the offensive line, right? We said (laughs) either one at free agent or two draft or vice versa. Some combination. Well, it looks like they're going to be able to do it. So that says to me, yeah. You can take the superstar running back. You can take Barkley at two because you will have an upgraded line that's going to help him maximize his potential. If they didn't upgrade the line, then I probably would be with you and say, you know what,
1: I'm fighting for Quentin Nelson at number two. But right now, I'm, I'm a Barkley guy. I mean, I would go with Barkley over Nelson, but I would agree with the caller. I still think Nelson's good value at number two. If he you certainly feel, is. He's the guy that you want because while I agree with you, and the I Browns think. If Browns take made, Barkley, I, I'm going to take Nelson. And, and while I agree with you that I think they've made improvements to the offensive line. If Nelson, once again, is a guy that you feel for the next 10 years. He's going to be an anchor to your old line. You, you still need to think that way because remember, it's not just about the 2018 offensive line. It's about how the right. offensive line breaks down for These years. These guys to come. are young
2: enough, though. They've got some. Years they, to, they are, but, but, but years not
1: everybody. Go. I think is going to be here automatically for the next four or five years. Whereas Nelson, you draft him, you know, at least hey, four to five years, and we feel like he's going to warrant another contract after that.
2: Soldiers so. soldiers being 30, he could still play till he's 37, 38. Offensive linemen do that. He's yeah. the old man on the on the line, so well, I would disagree with well,
1: you. I like, think they but, could but all not, be here. But I'm not even talking about just the tackles, and Nelson's not playing tackle. I'm talking about the guards right now. I mean, is John Jerry going to be here for the next four to five years? I would think not, but the Jaguars guy they just signed Okay, Will but and if they draft a guard, he's going to be. Well, but that's one guard. My point is, if you could have Patrick Omame and Nelson, I think you feel a lot better that you've perhaps solidified oh. two guards. Hard spots. Nelson's an upgrade, yeah. no matter what so, you so, say. So that, that thats my bigger point here. My anyway, point go ahead. Is, for is, is for sure. that it? We
4: well, no, I, I just want to. No, I, I love what you're saying, and I'm just simply, and I love that We're playing the devil's advocate. It's just that the old regime, you know. I know it's. It, we, I know it's hard to not to say what it could have, should have. But I'm thinking about the people we miss, like the Stanleys and the Conklins, and I even know. if we just got one of those guys, I we know. wouldn't be looking at Morton, so much. of what We're Conklin, dealing with right now. Sheriff. Now we're thinking like, why don't should we go after Nelson? and not, yeah. I mean, let's just not say he's a gold jacket guy, and he could very well be, but at least a constant Pro Bowl guy that, um you know, that – it's just, you know, technique, everything's just right, and it doesn't hurt to have enough depth, which I understand why you think that you can get an uh, you know offensive uh, guard or tackle in the later rounds. But just to say you want to go for a home run guy like Barkley, which I love very much, and I don't want to get like, feel like I'm talking blasphemy here, but I just think honestly that there's enough depth. Just like you were saying about you know, the running back, um, when you're talking about Barkley and there's a drop-off, I think there is a drop-off from Nelson to some of the other sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you, James. I, I, Absolutely. I agree with you. Totally I, I do get think that's
1: that. a stretch at all, and I appreciate the phone totally call. Totally get that. You know, and the thank other you,
4: John. I won't, won't stay on the line. I'll let you continue. But thank you. Thank you for your time. You
1: got it. I mean, the other thing you got to take into consideration, too, is, you know, if your offensive line is in good shape, that doesn't mean you necessarily need a number one overall running back to have production that's on the field. That's true. Ground. I mean, Kareem Hunt, for example, was drafted in the third round by the Chiefs last year. Kansas City had one of the best rushing attacks in the and NFL. the Saints got Kamara. So I there mean, you go. So no if doubt. your line is in order,
2: you <laughs> can't have success. As we sit here today, yeah. there's no right
1: answer. No, okay? it's just
2: different perspective. But what I, I will tell it's... you, whether or not Nelson eventually gets a golden jacket, we know he looks good in a
1: golden dome. <laughs> well, that's fair, <laughs> yes. I didn't think you were going to go the color route, but I, I will buy that. All right, let's head back to the lines. Keith is in New York. Keith, uh, what's happening?
0: Hello. Hi, guys. How are you doing, Keith? Where Last caller today. Uh, Oh, last caller, cool. Um, I'm calling about the draft. I'm really feeling Quentin Nelson and Saquon Barkley, but with the Saquon situation, I feel like we could get better value in the later rounds. Like, I feel like it's a running back that's not being talked about, Royce Freeman, who I feel like is a great running back. He had went back to school. He had a great year last year. He had over, what, mm-hmm. 1,400 yards mm-hmm. and, like, 15 touchdowns, and nobody's talking about him. And
1: I feel like, oh, go ahead. No, we're listening. <laughs> there are oh, okay, a okay. lot of running okay, backs I mean, in this draft.
2: There are yeah, a lot of I'm... running backs in this draft. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. There are plenty of them. I mean, you know, the the one thing, the one thing about Freeman, all right, coming out of out of the Duck System in Oregon, uh, a little bit less explosive than maybe some of the other guys. I think he's more on the back end of that second cluster of running backs. You know, but, I mean, but, but that doesn't mean about, he's not a real prospect. Kareem Hunt. Again, it doesn't mean he's a – I'm with you. He, I think he's a make-it NFL running
1: back. I agree with you. Freeman also had a knee injury too, which is something you need yeah. to take into consideration
0: as well. I mean, but also so did um, Chubb. Yeah, but but well, but Chubb hasn't
1: gotten into the NFL yet. So I mean, we don't know how that's yeah, going to pan out. You're also so,
0: right. You're, you're yeah. And, also and right. Chubb did um, enough
2: last year to see that to show that he had
1: overcome.
0: He did, but I still think it's but fair so to say there may be a question. Freeman he had did. over 1,400 yards and over 15 yeah. touchdowns. I'm with you. I think Freeman's going to
2: yeah. be in, a, in probably third or fourth round, and I think he's got to make it great. So I understand that. I'm not I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you.
0: I also love Darius Geis. I feel like he's being slept on because 2016 Darius Geis was a beast. And then he had the ankle injury this year and I feel like that really slowed him down but he still ran hard always and I feel like that if we was able to pick him up in the second round if we do decide to go Quentin Nelson in the first round I feel like that would be a great combo because Quentin Nelson could also help with the power run and also protect Eli and I feel like that would be a more great I don't I want to say a more value pick but Saquon Barkley's upside is like Too hard to pass up on. (laughs) Like it's too hard to pass up on when (laughs) you got that type of running back. Like I'm gonna give Odell his Le'Veon Bell. I'm gonna give him one of those running backs that could help bring draw the safety down into the box and give these our great receivers one-on-one opportunities on the outside. Huh. And that's the only thing I would like to say. I'll take the rest of it off here. You guys have a great day.
2: All right, Keith, you as well. You too, sir. Appreciate Thank the you. phone call.
1: Thanks so much for waiting. I, I, I,
2: I'm, I'm going to keep saying this until something changes my mind, and I don't know that it will. First priority still is to get the boatload of picks at a possible deal. Second priority is to get Barkley. Third priority is to get Nelson. Fourth priority is to get Chubb, and I don't think the Giants can go wrong if they wind up with any one of those four options. I really don't. And and and, and John and I talked yesterday. What if you had to go one more option? I would probably go Micah Fitzpatrick. And Mike I don't think, I don't, I, I, yeah, and I don't think I'd be crying if I got him either.
1: I don't even know if we <laughs> would we really even get to that option. Well, if they mean, trade down. Oh, okay, that's what you were talking about. Because I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm envisioning two, and I'm like, you're, listening, you're listing 17 different options. They, I'm like, if, by the time you stay at two, you should be okay. If they trade
2: down to somewhere in the top ten, if they get to 12, Mike McGlinchey will be there at 12. I wouldn't be crying if they picked him either. It's good to have options, as I no, always say. And Raekwon Smith, there's another guy John threw out. He said, well, how about him if they move down
1: you can't cry if they draft my quads man. Yeah, you just got to be careful when you start saying moving down because once you leave the top ten... It becomes risky. Well, yeah, because you're outside of the top tier of prospects. Yep. So you have to be careful. And while volume is always a benefit because that's obviously the benefit of making a trade. You get volume, you get more picks. No question. It's all about what you do with the picks. The volume yep. alone, Paul, doesn't equate to good value. What are you nope. going to do with those picks? You can well, have... 15 picks. What have the Browns done with those picks? Well, and that's the extreme example on the opposite end of the spectrum. But remember, I also referenced the RG3 trade, Paul, and what the Rams got back. And there's only one guy currently on the Rams roster that was acquired with those picks through the draft. So even when you're on the flip side Mm -hmm. and you collect all the picks, it's not guaranteeing bringing in Hall of Fame and success. Then again, when Dallas fleeced the
2: Vikings in the Herschel Walker deal, that entire Hall – Wound up
1: turning into a mini dynasty. It did. But here's the other thing that people tend to forget. The Cowboys also made a number of trades after the initial trade. To get those picks. So it's it wasn't just like one bang, here's everything and now we're gonna draft. They then turned an accumulation into other players. So it, it, it's a little misleading when everybody says, well, look at what happened in the Herschel Walker trade. you got to look at the details <laughs> of that trade and how many different parts actually ultimately were thrown together to uh, help build the Cowboys dynasty. With that being said, certainly appreciate all the phone calls and all the tweets. Next Monday, we will continue our preview of the NFL draft as you guys are going to be focusing on Penn State, and then we're going to have a number of different schools that we're going to hit on on Tuesday, so stay tuned for that. For all the latest, stay locked to Giants.com. For Paul Datino I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Have a good one.